we're back we're back again to you know continue talking about the real subject is the sufficiency of scripture it's basically saying by the sufficiency of scripture you know what we mean by that is that scripture the scripture god has given us that is complete and in his word right is contains all information we need for life and godliness. And anything outside of it, and it's the only thing we can know to be true and reliable and to walk in a pleasing way under the Lord. Any Anything outside of Scripture is really left under our imagination. We cannot verify it or confirm it in the way that we can know that we know like we can with Scripture. Uh, with that, I just want to do you know, uh, you know, kind of a recap for some of you that haven't, uh, that uh, weren't here last week, or uh, you know, when we started this a month ago. But the reason this is on my heart is really the vast majority of, we'll call them evangelical churches, but even a lot of them that you consider conservative, and even some reformed, you know, that would call themselves reformed. Pay attention to this teaching that's out there, and it's out there to varying degrees, but for instance, really a lot of it is that, for one, uh, prayer is two-way communication with God. If you pray to Him, if you wait, if you practice certain things, you will hear Him speak back to you outside of Scripture, whether it's an actual voice, which is really on the extreme, or just a nudging, a whisper, you know, an, an impression, something and there are formulas they come up with that are foreign to the Word of God. Nowhere in Scripture are they that they developed. And it's really become really powerful. It was introduced in the church mainly in the 1970s, but, but, and it didn't, it didn't take off in the conservative churches, but it really was introduced in the 90s. And I said last week, uh, probably these books, you ever heard of these people, but Richard Foster, Dallas Willard, and then uh, Henry Blackaby are probably three of the men most responsible for helping bring this mainstream into Christianity. And, and to people even that I would say would agree with us that the Word of God is sufficient. But in practice, doing these things denies the sufficiency of Scripture. What I mean by that is, there were a few examples. Have you ever heard things like uh, breath prayers? You can, you know, control your breathing. Breathe in a certain way in that. Uh, repeat certain words. It can be this and are. You know, it can be both. Right? And you'll get into a moment where you can clear your mind, and then you're open to hear the Word of God. That's foreign to the Word of God, and we went over that. And the scriptures they used to back it up are interesting. We looked at those. They use out of 1 Kings 19, the still small voice. And we looked at that. That still small voice right, was actually an audible voice that he heard. He heard, and it just means it's ambiguous. And by that, I just mean it. It's not trouble exactly what it means. It's an idiom in Hebrew that's the only place found in Scripture. If you recall, if you're here listening before, when it talks about the still small voice that Jeremiah heard. And he heard it. Then he went out in front of the cave. And then God distinctly spoke to him. And then we have it written down on the word just what he said. There was no I feel like. He kind of said, 
maybe God said, you know, there's none of that. That's born of the word of God. The other one they use is from John 10, 27. And that's where my sheep hear my voice. And they know me and they follow me. We looked at that. And if you recall, what that is, it's taken over from the, from the account we have starting in chapter 9 about the man born blind that Jesus gave his sight to. And then it goes on showing how this man came through that whole thing, believing on Jesus, and then he met Jesus, and then he worshipped Jesus, right, realizing he was the Son of God. And then it goes on when he was saying, right, I am the good shepherd. My sheep hear my voice. And that's, we talk about that, what that's talking about is a beautiful understanding and truth about becoming born again and what's behind it. And the calling that all of us have, we talk about that calling that we answer because we hear his voice. We come to believe in him, we come to him. So with those two things, those are the two main scriptures. The other ones they use, but almost every one of them will at least use one of those two, or most of them, both of them. And since they're both debunked, and they clearly are, since, and I'm not talking about the sincerity of these teachers. I believe some of them definitely are purposely deceiving and whatever they're, whatever they're making this up. Other ones are, right? They're just, they have not been approved. They're not handling scripture rightly. They have no place behind a pulpit. They have no place teaching a Bible study. They have no place writing commentaries. They have no place writing a book, trying to teach people, you know, how to come to know the Lord when they can't handle the simple truth about John 10, 27 and what it means. I guarantee you, they're not qualified to teach you anything. And, and so we have to, we have to know that. And they talk about it when we also last time talked about how uh, these, we went over and I quoted some things from the books, which really goes over it, especially Henry Blackaby's book, but a lot of them say things like this, but if you don't hear from God, right, if you don't have this personal, intimate relationship with God, which is their saying that should be what every Christian should have, you're in danger at the heart of your Christian experience, right? Maybe you're not even saved, right? You, you should experience these things. I'll tell you, it's the same thing in the Word of Faith when they talk about, right, that uh, the, the various gifts are still in operation. And if you're not experiencing these experiences and these encounters with God, they don't always come out and say it. But what happens if you're a sincere Christian and you're practicing that, right? You're, 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 you're not mature. You're just not under good teaching. I guarantee you what the hell happened you'll start wondering what's wrong with me. Maybe I'm not saved. And I'm speaking for personal experience too. I went through that for a time being. I'm not saying I'm basing this all upon my own personal experience, but I'm basing it upon is this word. What they teach is foreign to the word of God. What they teach is foreign. Anytime it came up in history in that, it's been debunked. But it, was, it didn't really exist until these people incorporating practices we know that come out of Eastern mysticism, right? Bought it into the church mainstream beginning in the 70s, it didn't take really, and then into the 90s. So God hid something from his people that we are supposed to know. He does not teach us in his word, nowhere, 
something that we needed to know. He hid it for 1950 years. And now he's showing it to these people that go on if you follow their stuff, that are incompetent, at the very least incompetent to handle the word of God. And they're saying you've got to have these intimate experiences. We saw the other one say, because the word of God just doesn't cut it. It just doesn't cut it. You know, and I read that quote from, uh, from Spurgeon. I just got to read it once more, and then we'll get into this. I will just kind of a, a recap. Then I'll uh, want to read this one quote again, because I, I completely agree with it. I'd like to add a little bit more, actually. But I have little confidence in those persons who speak of having direct revelation from the Lord. It's not just speaking, right? These whispers and that. The Lord's literally speaking to him today in ways right? we see no example in Scripture, except very few times in the Old Testament, always significant things. And these people were never practicing something to do it. A lot of times they're just doing their own thing. The Lord came to them and spoke. So, okay. I have little confidence in those persons who speak of having a direct revelation from the Lord as though he appeared otherwise than by and through the gospel. His word is so full, so perfect, that if that for God to make any fresh revelation to you or me is quite needless. To do so would be to, quen to quench and dishonor the very perfection of that word. That's true, and we talk about that, read Psalm 19, right? His word is perfect, full, absolutely. We went through that, right? It has restorative power. It has converting power, right? It is absolute truth. It is without, it's a, it's without defilement. It is true and righteous altogether. And we looked at other scriptures, too, that tell us, right, that right, we grow by his word. You look through Psalm 119. You need wisdom. How did this man get more wisdom than the ancients? Through his word. Yep. Right? Through his word. You, you need wisdom. And we finish up with talking. You really want to hear from God? You, what God prescribes. You put all the scripture together. You don't have this in one place. It's exactly what this is. But this is what you do. Right? You take. God has given us stuff to handle any situation that comes up in our life. Right? First of all, you want to be led by him and directed by him. You read, study, meditate, and obey his word. Pray for wisdom. Right? Of course, if you're not reading, studying, you know, thinking on his word, don't pray for wisdom because he's not going to give it to you. Right? I mean, you know, the wisdom would be, well, read my word. Right? But, right? And then seek godly counsel. You know, something comes up. I mean, you're wondering about a job. You're wondering about something. Some, you're going through something in your life. There's not one thing in Scripture that's not clearly or implied, implicated in the Word, principles from the Word, that you can't let direct every area of your lives. Yeah? I was just going to say, just to add something in there, um, you know, we know what started happening in the 70s and 90s, like you were saying, and then of course we have Spurgeon's quotation, which is from the 1800s, right? And so... It seems like that was another movement that started in the 70s and in the 90s. But it seems that these tendencies were there throughout church history up and down, you know, coming back and forth. Like, I read through Nicodemus' four-volume, uh, 2,000 Years of Christ's Power. And one of the things is, as you go through those volumes, this is something that you always see coming up again mm -hmm. and again and again. 
So you, it's, it's, it seems like it's a tendency in man to want to have this direct communication with God. And you see it throughout the centuries. Just like the charismatic movement. You had a, a charismatic movement in Pentecostalism in the early 1900s came, but you see those same tendencies again throughout church history. You know, even from the second centuries, we'll see with the modernist movement and so forth. So these things are things that come and go, come and go. Yeah, and, and really what it boils down to, it's just forms of Gnosticism. Yeah. Things outside what God has prescribed to know him, to walk with him, to please him, ways outside of Scripture, foreign to Scripture, things God never said. And they say, well, if you really want to get to know him, if you really you know, want to have a powerful Christian life, and what do they mean by powerful? It says, right, believe on him, grow in your grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, and obey him. I'll tell you, if you're doing those things, you got a powerful testimony, and the Lord's well pleased with you. Nothing else. Howard, could I add just yep. a little? I mean, just as a, as a practical note, I mean, even right now, you talked about the up and down. This is what we see, right? It's been on the rise. And so even those purveyors of this stuff, Bill Johnson's a prime example, okay? He, his, whole, his whole theology is aberrant from Scripture. You're never supposed to be sick, none of that stuff. And God mm -hmm. told me this, God told me that. His own wife is dying from cancer, and there's nothing they can do about it. So even, even in that, wouldn't you think if, if the Spirit of God was alive and you, you'd look and listen to all of his teaching and then look, his own wife, they have a prayer, a cancer prayer room in their building. And you're never supposed to be sick in that. A guy who's got a, you know, glasses and that. But it's amazing. Even in that, they are so dumb. And I, and I, and I mean blind, just completely blind to the realities of, of Scripture. They just follow him along. It, it doesn't matter. All that he said has been debunked by his own family. And, you know, here we are. Again, it's that right. It's that up and down. It's like, God told me this. God told me that. God told me you're never supposed to be sick. Well, that doesn't say that here anywhere. Yeah. There were promises given to Israel, but not to the church concerning yeah. what matter. Yeah. And, you know, get back. And we're going to, and actually we're going to get more into that, you know, about spiritual warfare and the signs and wonders movement. <laughs> we're going to get onto that. And, and that's all true and that's good. Let's focus on this whole thing about, you know, some people might think it's innocent. Let's get in and read the scripture, and then I want to explain something on that. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. And I consider what we're talking about, this still, this uh, coming to God's presence, this two-way communication, prayer life. You know, this experiencing God movement, this hearing the voice of God movement. You know, in all its shapes, sizes, and forms, just false teaching. And as I said before in that, I'm not, sincerity, are the people teaching it? Are some of them actually saved? I don't know, maybe. That's not for me. Sincerity is not the issue. Truth is the issue. You can be, and I guarantee you, and I'm sure some of these people are, just like I have been, and maybe every one of us in some situation or another, whether it's a word or something else, we're absolutely sure about something until we realize we are wrong. Can I just say something? Yeah. It seems to me this move, this way of thinking is in a lot of different stripes. Yep. So, I mean, if I just think of A.W. Tozer, for example, you know, he wasn't like a lot of these goofy things that we're talking about. You know, he was mm -hmm. pretty sound, fundamental, but yep. he also was a mystic. You know, so a Christian mystic, you know, hearing yeah. the voice of God yeah. and so forth. So, yeah, this... So I, it seems to me there's probably sound men 
and I, I had a good friend for years who was in, he's, he's a very godly man, but he was yeah. in the Yes. Yeah. So, and a pastor, he's a pastor. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think a lot of these people are in it who aren't false teachers, but they're mixed up. Yeah. I think, I think you know, Wayne Groove's another good example. He opened the door to stuff. He believes in stuff like this. He must. He believes in a lot of the Word of Faith movement. And he's sound overall. Would agree with most foundational doctrines that we do. But we're going to read that. 1 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly. So in other words, right, loud and clear, this is going to happen. Then in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Okay. So, what it is, everything that comes against the knowledge of God, anything that competes with his word, anything that lies, that adds to or takes away from his word, in, in the end, right, comes from seducing spirits and, and doctrines of devils. Right? Whether or they realize it or not. But drop down and, you know, he goes through a lot. We won't read this whole thing. This is kind of a condensed version here. But drop down to verse 6 after he's, you know, he tells him a few other things. But if thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. But refuse profane and old wise fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Okay. Go up to, down to verse 11. These things command and teach. Verse 13. Now he's telling them, right? He's telling them this stuff's going to come in and it was already coming in. It's going to come in during Timothy's time. It's always here. Right? Telling them how to deal with this teaching. Verse 13. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation. To doctrine, neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. What things? Right? <laughs> right? The, the words of faith and good doctrine. Talk about that in verse 6, right? That thy property may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt save both thyself and them that hear thee. I'm surprised in there. Boy, he could really put it in. He said, uh, just ask God to, uh, to directly give you new guidance on what to do about this. Uh, look, uh, just get quiet and wait for the Lord to appear unto you. I, 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 just, I, just, I just don't see it. Right? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, how that, that's, and, and you know, that's just what what he says, right? That's, and that's the truth about it. You fight error with doctrine. Mm -hmm. that's, in, in, that's the whole context of the verse you just read, isn't it? Because that's what happens. Men can be saved in error. Mm -hmm. But if you're properly teaching, handling the word of God like you've said, yeah. that word saved doesn't mean salvation. It means drawing them out of their errant doctrine. Yep. And that, that's, the, that's the purity of it. And let, yep, and let's go somewhere else in that. Again, you know, these are very familiar to us, but to bring it back, turn to 2 Timothy. In chapter, starting in verse, in chapter 2, starting in verse 15, but I want to say something. 
Now, I remember a lot of times we can read this and think, okay, you know, Timothy's talking to his protege, one of his proteges, Timothy, right? And Timothy's this elder, right? Tim, this is for just the elders, right? Well, if you think about it, people that are out there preaching the word of God and come upon attack and hear false doctrine and have to deal with everything in that, if this is advice to them, isn't that advice, advice to all of us? To help grow and how to combat these things and how to know the truth. Well, what, what advice does he give them? Keep in mind, he knew he was about to die. This is a advice he wanted to give his dear son in the faith, Timothy. Chapter 2, <laughs> starting in verse 14. Of these things, you know, he's talking doctrine again, right? Put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord, that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. <clears throat> Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I remember years ago we were talking with that Mike and Kimber who else is there, but we were talking, you know, if you really study it, cut it to the quick. Yeah. Right? Cutting it to the quick. It means getting it right, doing your utmost to understand, understand correctly the word of God, so that when you're teaching it, which is a big responsibility, you're teaching it correctly. Not that man cannot make errors. But you're not going to make, I think, any... You just won't make serious ones if, you're, if you take the Word of God seriously. Right? You, you just don't... You, won't, you don't stray too far from it. Yep. This Word, you're not going to stray too far off the good path. Like it goes on, right? 16. But shun profane and vain babblings... And that's what this whole two-way prayer communication, getting into his presence, emptying your mind so you can hear the voice of God, still small whisper stuff, hearing the voice, that's all it is, it's babblings. Like we talked about before, it's foreign to the word of God, so that's another thing, it's, it's babblings. Why do we call it babble, right? Just talk, it makes no actual sense. It might sound good to the human imagination. But you read what these people do. Jesus calling is a fine example of taking this to the utmost, right? But here's from the Lord. You, you, you read some of those things in there. I guarantee you, first of all, if you write it down, journaling is another one, right, too? But that's foreign to the word of God. And if God is literally speaking, you're hearing me writing it down, guess what he's saying is scripture. Yep. So scripture's not closed. It's blasphemy. And it leads to apostasy. It will lead to apostasy if not corrected. Okay, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat as doth a canker. Oh, and by the way, and then he mentions Hymenius and uh, Philetus, right? So this whole thing about not calling them out. Hey, Henry Blackaby is a false teacher. I did not do anything wrong there. I'm doing just what the Word of God tells me to do. The guy writes public right. things. These things are said in public and even rebuked in public. Not man, oh, man, oh. And believe me, he has been. These people will not repent of this teaching. They will not stop. They just double down whenever they're confronted about it, which really gets me to question where they're at. It's like, well, you're offending them. They take what they say in their pride and everything and put it way above the word of God and God's honor. And it, it, needs to, it needs to be told out. Uh, you know, the reason the reason I, I say this 
And I say it with not doubting what I'm saying at all. Again, I want to emphasize. You know, I talked about it. I talked, I remember it was Mike I was talking to. He used the word unction. We maybe, what about those things? Maybe we have a dream. Maybe that's from God or not. I don't know. And there's no way you can absolutely know either. You can't. You can't. These people can't. Well, listen to some of the dreams I get, by the way, anyway. I mean, most of them are so flaky anyhow. But, uh... <clears throat> maybe they have an impression to pray for someone. Someone's on your heart, so you call them. Yep. Yeah, the Lord's directing your life. I mean, the Bible directly tells us in Hebrews and that that angels, angels are sent over to minister unto us heirs of salvation. How do they necessarily do that? We don't know. We're not supposed to seek it out. But I'll say this, and I said it last week too. If we're doing things to try to get into the presence of God and hear from him, what we are doing is attempting to enter the spiritual realm. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. And the things that they propose, the practices they do, are just forms of putting you into some state of hypnosis, which is proven to make you susceptible to suggestion. So if you're into the spiritual realm, whose suggestion are you becoming susceptible to? When it's praying, I want us to take a look at that. Let, let's just see. When you hear about that, it's funny, right? As we said about it. And if anyone, I'll, I'll, I'll challenge anyone, come forward to me and show me any clear teaching. Any, anywhere in scripture that they have it. We tell them all how they twist and upturn a few verses. And it's funny how few they have. But how they misuse those verses and they teach. That's not what it's saying and that's not what happens to anybody. But let's look at some of the prayers in the Bible. How did they pray? Uh, let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. <clears throat> you know what I was saying? You know, right? You want to, you know, be, be uh, directed. You're looking for wisdom. You got decisions to make. What did I say, right? Read, study the word of God. Pray for wisdom. Seek godly counsel. There you go. That's what the Bible prescribes. And that's just what everyone in the Bible did. Uh, <clears throat> Ephesians 1 starting at 15. And I take these because there are some prayers that are recorded for us for all time in Scripture. And there's reason for that, right? God just didn't put in filler. Ephesians <laughs> 1.15, right? So, he's, you know, writing to the brethren in Ephesus. Verse 15, chapter 1 of Ephesians. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love on all the saints... Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And for what? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Why is he saying about that, right? That's what the Holy Spirit does, right? He enlightens scripture unto us. So... An unbeliever can read scripture, a believer can read scripture. Eventually that believer, it's going to start transforming their life. Because they'll get it. You know, it goes from there like, I know that I know. I know that I know that God will never forsake me. Because he says so. Alright, I know that I know that I'm forgiven my sins. I'm cleansed of my sins and I'm safe and secure in Christ. Why? Because he tells me so. Right? No imagination of mine. He just tells me so. But anyway, that as our understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and was the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. 
Those that, that we would know him that are how? By our understanding being enlightened. Nothing about, and you do this, I pray that God will speak to you when you go into your closet. That when you empty your mind, try this, do this practice. Right? doesn't say that. Uh, go to chapter 3. Again, he prays for him. Chapter 3, starting in verse 13. Wherefore, I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to, what? Amen. Comprehend the mind. It's always the mind. And when they teach you, in one way or another, to empty your mind, to do something that's foreign to Scripture, something not prescribed in Scripture, that somehow you're, you're gaining in your experience with Christ, using something besides Scripture, it's absolutely idiotic. Not to mention it's seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. It's just idiotic because you should know better, right? It, it just it's it's a mistake, right? We talk about that. Psalm nineteen and Psalm one nineteen says right that it's absolutely perfect. There's nothing else. You grow in wisdom. You grow in every area of your life, right? And you walk in your pleasing unto the Lord all by His reading, learning, and obeying, and walking in the Word of God. How could you possibly teach to add something to that? Right? But that's what he prays. Comprehend with all saints. What is the breadth, length, depth, and height? In other words, just in case, so he cover everything, right? Breadth, length, and height. Everything, everything you can comprehend. And remember Peter in 2 Peter, we want to turn there, 2 Peter, before he was to die, right? In chapter 1, we talked about that too. Before, in chapter 1, he talks about, yeah, I was there with James and John on the mount, right? That's what he's talking about. And I saw, we heard God speak to the Lord Jesus Christ. We heard it audibly, right? It was awesome. We have a more sure word of prophecy. More sure than that. In other words, you can't trust your feelings. No matter how strongly we feel about something, we can only trust this word. That's what we base our life on. That's how we walk with him. That's how we know we're pleasing to him or unpleasing to him is what's revealed in his word. You know, uh, I want to give uh, one more example. Just go to chapter, uh, oh, hey, excuse me, where was I think? Oh, I lost my place here for a minute. Okay, last one. Go to Colossians 1. There's a few pages ahead here. Colossians 1. Verse 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray to you and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you might walk worthy of the Lord on all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing... In the knowledge of God. And Peter's last words recorded on earth, right? Grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Before he went to the, before he went to his death, his martyrdom.
That's all very important. You know, uh, the word of God is, and that there is nothing else. And as I said before, these open the doors. Right? These people who teach us, it, it's interesting because you, you know, you look and you mention even A.W. Tozer was somewhat of a mystic. There's other people, it's interesting when you open this door and somehow it's mysticism. Because what does it say about false teaching? When you get onto it, we read about that in, in Timothy, right? What does it do? It increases to more ungodliness. Air begets air. Truth begets truth. If you believe a little air, you take it in, right? You believe a, a beginning hypothesis. For instance, our, our relationship with God should be an intimate two-way relationship, which is not taught in Scripture. Again, I can't emphasize that enough. It's foreign to the Word of God. If you start with that premise, how far does it go? And are you not really, well, that whole, that whole thing behind it is all right, is we got to feel or see or have sensations, have our flesh tingled all the time like something. That's where all error really starts, really. Because you look back, why is it Moses is up on the mount, right? All those roughly, let's say at least two million people, the entire nation of Israel was sitting there. They didn't see Moses. Moses wasn't telling what the word of God was saying every day. They got a little flustered, you know. A little time goes by. Aaron, make us a calf. Make us something. We got to worship something. We got to see it. And they started doing it. And what did they do? They started feeling good. And they started feeling euphoric. Then they started grossly sinning before the Lord. But at the same time, they, to them, right, well, this is proper worship. Of course, we know in the Word that it wasn't, right? And Moses certainly didn't think so. Because the person that was actually speaking to him, right? And by the way, he called him up there. That's another thing too, right? There's no practice. He called him up there. Don't think about it. You never see people sitting around doing some kind of practice, right? Again, it's born of the word of God. Where do these people hear it from? I'll go to this up. I want people to think about this because next week, kind of going into also how this is carried over into these absolute blasphemous and weird Things they teach about spiritual warfare, and what, and they seem to use the Word of God for it, and we'll see that. Are they properly using it? And what does the Word of God say spiritual warfare is, and what to do about it? But I'll, I'll close with this, uh, and we're, we're going to be doing this sooner or later, either uh, you know from uh, here, my will study, but I think, and we're a little series on it, but. You know, why do we emphasize and want the singing of good, truthful, you know, worshiping God in spirit and in truth? So worshiping right, is our, our lifestyle before him, living before him. All of it's a part of worship, right? When we obey him, right? We're walking in his word, we're obeying, we're reading, we're studying, we're fellowshipping, we're helping our fellow men. And all those things, right, we're walking with the Lord. And we're pleasing the Lord. But when we worship, when we come to Him, specifically to, to praise and worship, to, right, to give the fruit of our lips, giving praise to His name, are we doing it in a God-honoring way? And when we do it knowingly from Scripture, right, in spirit and in truth, 
So that means, right? I mean, we're, you're, first of all, you are a believer. You are a child of God in spirit and in truth, right? It's directly a contact with his word. You're worshiping him according to what he's, the revelation he's given of himself, right? All his attributes and that. But I love this, and I'll quote this, and I'm sure you all remember this. It's an old hymn, but I haven't heard it in a while. But How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he has said, to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled? Amen. And that is what this is all about. That's a song talking, right, that he has given. He's given us his word. He's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. You know, you go to Second Peter, right, all his promises, his covenants. You know, we sing the solid rock, his oath, his covenant, his blood, support me in the whelming flood. What is that talking about, right? All his promises, everything he said he's given for us, he do, has done for us, is doing for us, and will do for us. That's how we grow. That's how we're happy. And these people will say they live dull, boring lives, unless they're like experiencing God at every moment or something, which again is totally foreign to the word of God. My question, well, the word isn't enough for them. Well, then at the very least, they have a very retarded, you know, slow to stunted, very immature understanding of who God really is, at the very least. And they should not be teaching. They have no right because they've not been approved. They have, they're not rightly having the word of God to begin with. So don't take any advice from them. But with that, uh, this will be a few minutes tonight. Is there any comments or questions concerning what we just talked about? Howard. Yeah. Just very, again, very... Uh applicable for us today. I'm sure you all saw last week that Crepo Dalla repented. Have you guys seen that? Yeah, he, he allegedly repented of his heresy teachings on uh, on money and all that kind of stuff, but if you go listen carefully, it was anything but repentance. Okay, repentance what brings forth what? He should have shut down his ministry. He should have stepped back again because of what you're talking about. He's not fit to teach anybody the Bible. and But none of that's happened. But it is amazing if you listen to them. And this is what's so subtle about how sneaky they really are. Because if you listen to the verse, oh, it sounds like he's repenting. But that's not happening. And, and the reality of it is, again, as, as you, you see, see it, it's a miracle of God. If he, if he does repent, just like Benny Hinn, the legend a couple years ago, right? No, he didn't. But you see the miracle of God in that, that the heart has to be changed. The mind has to be changed against these things. And then you, as a person who's been teaching this aberrant doctrine, and him knowingly, you, you talk about some that are just kind of, well, they're a little blind to it. He's knowingly teaching this stuff, okay? You need to sit down. You need to give your money back. That, that, that's repentance, right? That's what you would see that if he was truly repenting. But you see the depth that they're in it. And you and I are sitting here like today. They would completely disagree with what you said. Completely and totally. They think you're outside of Scripture when, in fact, you're in it. They're so blind, they can't even see how far out they are. Which is really quite an amazing thing to think about, these, these people. It's stunning to watch. Yeah. And, you know, one last thing. It, it's interesting, too. Whenever you hear somebody, like, they'll talk glowingly. And a lot of them will. Almost all of them will, right? Because they're not going to gain traction. What they're trying to gain traction with is, and that's what gets me, right? Sincere... True yep. believers of God. Yep. But you're right, they're trying to gain traction with us. And so they'll twist the word of God, they're trying to make it sound good, they say they believe in the sufficiency of scripture, but then they go outside it. 
Now, one last, uh, it's not a quote, I won't say word for word, but a paraphrase here, but I think it's a real good one. By, uh, I'm not sure which one I'm appointed, but I heard Justin Peters and, uh, and actually a former or current pastor of his, a man named Jim Osmond, two men I greatly respect. I mean, I, I, you know, they're just good, solid teachers. But, yeah, oh, there's Jim Osmond. Jim Osmond, I remember right. Uh, some of the effect of, if God is not speaking to you, there is no practice, no discipline, no way, no how, you're going to hear it. And if he is speaking to you, it's going to be absolutely clear, and you're going to have no doubt about what he's saying. And that's what the Word of God teaches. In every place where he did speak to him, even in that so-called still small voice, it was clear, it was direct, and it was significant, hugely significant. Now think about that, they try to get us to focus on ourselves. Do we really think, me trying to decide, like, maybe to move to a certain place, or uh, buy a certain car or not, or take a certain job or not, is comparable to spreading the gospel throughout the world. To call in Moses in the burning bush. Think of all the instances that they use and they twist to teach this stuff. It all, it all had to do with God fulfilling his covenant promises to his people. Me buying a new car or not is nothing about it. It's not a covenant promise. And it's really, I like the word too, vainglorious. I'll call it haughty. Pretty haughty to compare ourselves. Right? Some of those people, right? And all of them were called, by the way. They're going about their own business, and they were called. And they knew it was God. There was no, well, maybe I sense that. Very important. And they were called. God chose them, right? They had nothing to brag about. God gave them the ability, right? Started with other people to help them, and many times, many times not. To carry out and fulfill his covenants and promises in Scripture. Not personal little deals. And that's where Lisa said it last time, too. And you search through, the, you search through Acts, for instance, you search through all the epistles. When he's telling them in that, and you'll find it filled with how did they act, except for a few certain instances, like the man in Macedonia, and that he saw in a dream saying, come here, and by the way, they saw that dream, and they perceived that was the Holy Ghost telling them to go there. <laughs> but that was to spread the gospel to another continent. <laughs> it wasn't about him, what, you know, what chariot to buy. You know. But, you know, besides that, what did they always say? It seemed good to us. You know, I decided, you know, to spend the winter in Decapolis, or Decapolis, or where, right? Uh, the Jerusalem Council, it seemed good to us. It seems good to us. We have decided. What they did? By the word of God and by truth, taking godly counsel together, and then they made their decisions on what they were going to do. That's what the word of God teaches. Don't pay attention to these other people. Because at the very least, they're, they're just, they're an error. They're, they can be sincerely an error, but they're still an error. So, with that, uh, if you would close us in a word of prayer, Father, we thank you for the Bible study and for allowing us to 
study this important topic and what your word says. We pray that you would use this in such a practical way for each one of us and for our church. Lord, may we look to you for guidance, and that is you know, through the word, and you work in us to believe that word and to live that word. So we pray that that would be the case. We pray that through this, that you would be glorified. Please prepare our hearts for the second service now. May you be honored there, we pray. Pray in the name of Jesus Christ.